Miracy. I'm Tina Dietz, and you're listening to Making It. I run a business called Twin Flame Studios, and we create podcasts and audiobooks for thought leaders worth listening to. I remember getting very, very frustrated at one point in first grade and telling my teacher that I didn't want to have a big job, that I just wanted to sell apples at the side of the road and be a cheerleader. And then the next year, in second grade, I wanted to be a pediatric surgeon. So it varied wildly. As a child, I spent a lot of time in a fantasy life. I didn't have a lot of friends initially growing up. I got bullied a lot in school. And I fell into books and I fell into imagination. I actually spent a lot of time with my tape recorders when I was a kid and later on with my boom box in the 80s, making fake radio shows and making mixtapes and singing, lots and lots of singing. My parents owned a business downstairs from where, and we lived upstairs, selling wood burning stoves and fireplaces, super sexy. When I got to the end of high school, I was at the top of my class, but I had very, very little guidance. No one in my family had ever been to college, but it was assumed that I would. My grad school experience down in North Carolina was a really good experience for the most part educationally. I met some wonderful people. I really didn't enjoy living in the South very much. And I was also newly married. And my husband at the time, he had a lot of mental health challenges. And quite honestly, the shit hit the fan with him getting depressed, not being able to work, me being in school caused a lot of stress on our relationships. So my husband really needed to be back in a familiar place. And so we ended up moving back to the Buffalo, New York area. In the system that I was in at the time, there were four different unions warring with each other. And it was extremely difficult to get anything done. And any time that I proposed an action plan or a strategy, I would get accused of being, quote unquote, managerial, which in the world of unions is a terrible, bad thing. And I helped write a $4 million grant that had a position written into it for me and one for my colleague that we'd been working on for five years. And then when we got the grant, we were very happy. We didn't hear anything about our positions. We found out a month later that they had taken the funding to fund our positions and instead given it to a 75-year-old man and made a political patronage job for him instead. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. And I decided that I was going to go out on my own, pivot, change gears, and come back with a different perspective more as a consultant or as a coach. So that's pretty much what I did. I developed a small group curriculum and program called the Evergreen Experiment and then extended into individual coaching. The first couple of years of any endeavor are challenging. You hear a lot of success stories and the kind of things when, you know, when somebody's running a webinar or, you know, about how great their life is and all of that. And they never tell you about what I call the ramen years, you know, the time where you've got no money, you're not sure you're going in the right direction, you're not sure where your next client is going to come from, and you're operating on a shoestring and trying to figure it all out on your own. So I think any endeavor, there's always that beginning when you don't know what you don't know. And you just can't plan for that necessarily. At the same time, I really enjoy people and I really enjoy solving problems. So I was doing what I really enjoyed doing. And I also had two really young kids at home. 
I had babies. And so I was supplementing my income by teaching night classes at a different college and developing my coaching practice during the day whenever I could in between taking care of the kids. I love being in front of a microphone. I have always loved doing voices. I have always loved reading out loud. I've always loved singing and performing. And I have had this in my life for as long as I can remember. My mom says that I came out of the womb believing any flat surface was a stage. But what I had seen in happening in audio at the time through my experience doing voiceover as a paid hobby and being in podcasting was I saw how audio was impacting people and I saw the stats on how it was growing, particularly with audiobooks in the self-publishing world. So I saw an opportunity and I got what you know Michael Gerber in the E-Myth calls an entrepreneurial seizure. And I decided to test market things and it took off so fast and it was so easy to have the conversations with people. There was a tremendous amount of flow in having these conversations with people about having their audiobooks created that I decided to follow the energy and follow the momentum. And it very, very quickly eclipsed anything I had done with coaching within a year. I had started other little businesses as well. I had started a baby wearing business when my kids were really little, teaching people how to wear and carry their kids and teaching classes and selling carriers. And it was fun, but it got boring after a while. I had had the coaching practice, but selling coaching services, quite honestly, can really be a slog because the results always lie in the client, not in the coach. It's like selling therapy. You have to have a trusted relationship, but any results that get created are really in the purview of the client. And if you've really done your job, you've worked yourself out of a job. So it's a very strange dynamic. And whereas audiobooks and podcasts, you end up with a product that is finished, that you can send out into the world and use in so many different ways. And one of the reasons I love it is because we do get to tell all those stories and work with all of these authors who are creating spaces of belonging, just like I want to but in their own way and in their own communities. So having that ripple effect, I find incredibly satisfying. One moment where I felt like I really, I made it with Twin Flame Studios of the audiobook company and the podcasting was when we brought on our first white label publishing client. I had been in communication five years previously with a publisher when I very, very first started doing audiobooks and I didn't have any employees or anything like that. And I had just periodically just touched the relationship, said hello, barely had talked with them. And five years after that initial contact, they got in communication with me and it turned out that they had grown to the point where they wanted to add audiobooks as a robust part of their offering and were looking for a partner. And the partnership that we created with them doubled our volume in what we were doing and allowed us to bring on you know, more full-time people and then spiral that out into working with additional publishers to handle more and more and more books. So there was that moment of getting that first influx of audiobooks from them and creating that relationship and that collaborative sense of partnership together that really gave me that sense of, wow, 
this actually can be even better and bigger and more robust than I ever imagined. What making it means to me is being able to live your life on your own terms. My definition of success has changed dramatically over the years, and there's an amazing man named Richard Rohr. He's a Franciscan friar and a philosopher, and I'm not sure if it was him who said it or he just, I just heard him quoted, but that what got you through the first half of your life is not going to get you through the second half of your life. And I'm in the space of approaching the second half of my life, and I can see where that's 100% true because now my standard of making it really has to do with leaving a legacy that I'm proud of, having control over my time, and being able to have the mental clarity and serenity to make choices from a place of peace rather than a place of rushing or ambition or have to or must do that dominated so much of my 20s and 30s and early 40s. So I'm very grateful to be in a place where I can have all of that and I continue to cultivate that, but also continue to cultivate my team to have amazing conversations with authors who are out doing wonderful things in the world. And it really all does come back to having a sense of belonging that I get to create for myself and then extend out to other people. Start before you think you're ready and prepare more than you think you need to. And I know that sounds like a contradiction, but I think we wait too long to start and it is in the starting and the failing and the trying and the experimenting that we get through and move through that dark forest into this figuring out where we want to be. And your first idea is never going to be your last idea. It's really only a starting place. So what you think you're going to end up doing and where you end up leaving your mark on the world might be six or seven jumps apart. But if you keep going and you keep experimenting and you keep being curious, curiosity is an amazing superpower, then you'll always be on the right path, even when it doesn't look like it. I'm Tina Dietz, and you've been listening to Making It. You can find me at twinflamesstudios.com or you can Google Tina Dietz and I'm the first result. Making It is part of the Mira CFM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Course Lab and Once Upon a Business. This episode of Making It was produced by Danny Bermont and Jeff Govertson. Cynthia Lamb is supervising producer. Danny Eni, that's me, is executive producer. To catch the great episodes that are coming up on Making It, please give us a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, please leave us a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.